0: As the nights draw in, the weather gets worse, and the international break decimates the weekend fixture list. It's time to take stock of where we're at EFL-wise. Believe it or not, a third of the season has gone already. Speaking of gone, Neil Warnock has done just that, as has Stephen Presley. Elsewhere, Macclesfield and Southend have money worries, and Crewe and Accrington don't have a lino. What a wonderful world. This is the Totally Football League Show. Apologies to anyone who's tuning in having listened to Mondays totally and been promised Caroline. I'm afraid he's stuck with me, Matt Davis-Adams, this week. Don't worry, though, I've got a first-class panel alongside me to forensically examine all things EFL. First up, regular listeners will know he was threatening to go full crispy duck at the Chinese the other week. I can confirm that we've seen pictorial evidence that this was achieved with gusto. Quackers about all things Football League. He once knew how to get goals, now he knows where to get spring rolls. Morning, Sam Parkin. Hi, Matt. Buck and a half. (laughs) Very good. And with Sam, he's an accredited family mediator, UKCP registered psychotherapist and solicitor. And he has particular experience in difficult parenting disputes and high value financial cases. Not really. That's another Adrian Clark I found on the internet. This one's more into tactics and stuff. Hi, Adrian. <laughs> All right. got some experience
1: of the uh, previous, but
0: there you go. We won't well, go there. Okay. We'll save that for another show. Uh, finally, he's always the favourite on this show. From William Hill, it's our resident gambling guru. Hello, Joe Crilly. Good morning. Your FA Cup predictions uh, went pretty well at the weekend. Did they? It says here, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the lineup. hashtag announced. Shall we head to the championship?
2: You're listening to the
0: Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Here we are then, Championship City, where your headlines are. Neil knock-knock, knocking on retirement's door as everyone's favourite Livia Soprano lookalike brings the curtain down on his time at Cardiff and his career? Question mark. West Brom top and six unbeaten after Livermore provides the X Factor at the KCOM. Two-time European champions now, two-time winners over Derby this season. And Michael O'Neill potters around to great effect at Oakwell. So we've got to start with the news that broke on Monday morning that Neil Warnock and Cardiff City have parted ways. This comes after a very underwhelming return to the championship for the Bluebirds. Cardiff sit 14th in the table after their Derby defeat at home to Bristol on Sunday. Warnock said... I'm leaving me beloved Bluebirds after over three years which have been some of the best days in my long football career really. It's a shared belief that this is the right time for a new voice as we believe this squad of players is more than capable of getting success. I'm proud to leave the club as a united one and long may you all achieve the success that you deserve. Be lucky. Warnock has said that this would be the final season of a managerial career, which began way back in 1980, spanned 16 different clubs and saw him promoted a record eight times. Though speaking on the radio on Monday, City defender Sol Bamba said Warnock had told him he will definitely work again. Adrian, this was called a mutual decision. They rarely are when we hear that, but it seems that that was the case on this occasion.
1: It does, yeah. I, I was a bit surprised, I have to be honest. I didn't see it coming. They're only seven points off the playoffs. They'd scored four in their previous home game, so it wasn't wasn't all doom and gloom. Um, I just wonder whether, as much as Neil Warnock coming to the end of the road there, maybe this team is. It feels like the, the team, or the bulk of the group, has been together quite a long time now, about three years or so, a lot of them. And every team has its day. Every team has its cycle, and it feels like if they could have got rid of eight or nine players and brought in eight or nine magically and kept Warnock, that might have been okay. But of course, they can't do that, and, and Warnock has uh, has walked away. So, so I think him going was a surprise, and I think the next step now is for someone to come in and uh, and with a broom basically and, and sweep the decks.
0: Sam, you've been fairly critical of their style of play. When you've seen them this season, you, you combine that with the the lack of success in terms of results. And, and this kind of felt inevitable, but it, I guess it's good that it's been done in the way that it has, where everybody leaves as friends. Yeah, having been down there a
3: few times this season, the, the majority of the supporters seem to still be behind Neil Warnock. Obviously, you'll probably get um, some a minority on the the message boards and what have you that are a little bit fed up with the style of football that we've spoken about a number of times. So I wasn't completely surprised. The strange thing is the amount of goals they've been conceding this year because I think start of the season, we would have anticipated them being right up there and we would have based that on their defensive record. Well, 23 they've conceded. Only QPR above them in the table have conceded 30 and then you're down to Blackburn in, in 18th have conceded more. So it's it's been really poor defensively at times. At home, they've still been very difficult to beat and it's going to be interesting to see what route they go down now. I agree with, with Adrian. I think this team's probably come to the end of its kind of time. Not getting a striker, I suppose, in the summer. Glatzel's not done the business. He hadn't had kind of Zahor in the past as his focal point. That's been a bit of an issue, and it's going to be difficult for him to make up the ground now. Uh,
0: he said this was going to be his last season in football, which maybe means this isn't his last job. And, and it's just occurred to me that there is one vacant elsewhere in the championship at Barnsley, an area of the country which he knows. Pretty well, of course, but but if this is his last job how 's he going to be remembered
1: uh, well as a promotion specialist, uh, I think obviously his, his record speaks for itself he 's been brilliant i uh, I played against his teams so that 's how long he 's been knocking around for, and they were always they were always tough, and he was always very noisy on the sidelines but yeah, I, I always thought as a player i don 't know if i 'd want to play for him, but as i 've got older. Maybe I've seen seen the warmth of his character as well. I think there are two sides to Neil Warnock. He's obviously fiery, but he, he there's a warmth there, and I think he does get on well with players, and he does get a tune out of players, and he understands men and groups of men in the changing room, and and I think the fire's still burning. I don't think I didn't see any signs, did you, that that he was get looking tired or disinterested? So so maybe there's one more job out there for him um, if Mrs Warnock will let him <laughs> um, I don't think Barnes is the one for him with their policy of, of, of only really recruiting young players he's always been a guy that, that goes with experience and tried and trusted so um, I don't think that's his his calling but but maybe one more just on what he just said
3: there I think from my perspective I'd maybe have wanted to play for him as a young player mm. where <laughs> You can be obviously.
0: As, it, as a young player when you were a young player, or as a young player yeah. in 2019? Sorry? As a young player, when you were a young when I, player? When I was a young player. Yeah. I think because when you, young players today might not. When
3: you need a little bit you. of guidance and when you can be influenced a little bit by the management and the coaching staff, I think when you get older and you have an idea about how you w- want to be utilised in a team and also how the game should be played, I think I'd have found it difficult towards the end considering the, the type of football that we've witnessed at Cardiff over the last few seasons. So I think when you're younger, considering his man management skills, and this is going on, you know, my experience of being friends with a lot of guys who played for Neil Warnock. They said there was no one better for kind of closing ranks yeah. and making it an us against them and backing you to the hill. And he was very loyal to the likes of Jagielka, uh, Paddy Kenny, Michael Tong, people like that. And you asked them about Neil Warnock. Yeah. It was an enjoyable
1: time. Yeah, if, if you're one of Neil Warnock's favourites, then you've almost got a career for life, haven't you? So, so now he, yeah, he's very loyal to, to players that do the business for him. He, he's old school, but also... On, on route to promotion, remember he, he, he was tactically really interesting. And he, he came up with one or two new tricks, particularly with the full-backs, sort of following their men in field. And it, it kind of come unstuck in the Premier League, but at the time, it it was something new and something fresh. So for someone so senior as him, I was impressed by that as well.
0: Okay, I want a one, not a one word, but a one name answer from you both before I ask Joe what the market looks like. Adrian who is going to replace him in the Cardiff hot seat <laughs>
1: according to the book he's Harris
0: yeah Neil Harris sounds like doesn't it is he the odds on favourite Joe he is indeed
4: yeah it's uh, it's almost like Adrian and Sam have done my job for me there <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Neil Harris yeah uh, odds on one to four to get the job Michael Flynn he's come out and said that he probably wouldn't uh go for it at this time. Uh he's five to one second favourite. He's drifted somewhat recently. Uh so recently, it was yesterday that he went. Uh but the big mover in the market uh, in terms of odds getting shorter is Sol Bamba, who you heard talking on Talksport. Uh he's come in from twenty five to one to ten to one overnight.
0: Interesting Michael Flynn, isn't it? He keeps distancing himself from this job these jobs. I think there's only so long you can you can do that before that's, people start offering them. It's fairly
1: plum, do. isn't it? I mean he's local, big um, take Lenny Lawrence back with him as yeah. well. Yeah, and, and the, the the wage rise for him and for his staff would be incredible. So look, it takes a strong man to, to walk away if it, if indeed they do go to him.
0: All right, well, that's uh, Neil Warnock then. Farewell, Neil. He left us before we left EU.
1: Why did we have a referendum in the first bloody place? You know, I can't wait
4: to get out of them, if I'm honest. I think we'll be far better out of the bloody thing, mate, eh? in every aspect. And to hell with the rest of the world, eh? Football-wise as well, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Hell with the rest of the world. He is a <laughs> kindly old figure in British football. Uh, let's have a look back at a couple of the weekend's games then. Sam, guess where we're going to start? Now, Graven has mistaken the
5: back and Graben takes full advantage. What a gift. Well, what on earth were Derby County doing there? You don't give opportunities like that to Nottingham Forest top goal
0: scorer. Well, totally football supremo Nick Miller was at the game and joins us now. Um, Nick Forest, did they deserve to win? Obviously, yes, spiritually, but what about football
2: and morally, also? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the, the first 20 minutes, Derby looked quite threatening. Tom Lawrence, despite getting some fearsome stick from the crowd for obvious reasons, he looked like he. Was going to create something. But then after that, Forrest sort, of sort of settled into the game and controlled it from from that point. And then Derby only really looked dangerous in the last kind of 10 minutes or so when Martin Waghorn came on and started running around like a giant bull.
0: So are we saying now that, that Forrest wobbles behind them? Back-to-back wins after back-to-back defeats. But tough two games next on the road, Bristol City and QPR.
2: Uh, I think that kind of wobble will is, is sort of inevitable with a you know new manager and collection of new players. But... Forrest is so sort of solid with the keeper and the two central defenders, Ben Watson, just in front of them. They're, they're, they're not likely to... Those wobbles aren't likely to be kind of particularly frequent. So to, it's a tough run up until Christmas, but if uh, they're there kind of uh, around that time, then you should stay up there.
1: You were lucky though, weren't you, Forrest? Because you should have should have been down to 10 men. What? Clearly, you, you crox their key player, Derby centre-half, Matt Clark. That was the turning point. They had to put... Bielik at the back, they had to bring on Evans, who just hardly ever plays anymore. So so really, it was quite a cynical performance, wasn't it, from Forrest? <laughs> you trying to rile me. <laughs> uh,
2: no, I mean, obviously, that did change uh, Derby's game plan quite significantly. I think Bielik had started out quite nicely there, but um, it, was a, it was a fruity challenge. But then again, Tom Lawrence got away with quite a fruity challenge himself. <laughs> 100%. Um, it was sticking his studs, t- who was it, in someone, some, right in someone's shin?
0: Yeah, I Rubiro can't remember, was it? Rubiro? It was, Could Yuri Ribeiro, yes. Sam, um, Derby should be far enough away from trouble to avoid getting into to a relegation scrap, but they haven't won back-to-back games all season. It feels like Rooney's going to be a sticking plaster at best. And the post-match quote from Philip Cocu uh, made my ears prick up. Today, the mistake of Jaden cost us the result. I mean, it's accurate, but is he in a position to be digging out his players publicly like that. I know we kind of praised Chris Wilder for doing something
3: similar earlier in the season, but it feels a bit different here. Yeah, I'm not sure that I would have taken too kindly to it. They need to sort out their away form. They were lucky to win at Huddersfield on on the opening day and I think they've just taken two points on the road since then and they've endured some spankings as well, some real heavy defeats. So that's something they need to, to change. It's that identity, isn't it? Are Soft we really touch, it? are we really seeing what Philip Koku is bringing to the to the party right now? I'm not so sure. We spoke about getting Lawrence in his best position, where he played on the left for the majority of the game the other day, and still he doesn't really know the best formula with his front players. Marriott, uh, of course, was was in the side, but I think now that it's happened under Lampard and now it's happening under Koku, we have to maybe forget about Marriott's expertise as a finisher. He's clearly doing something that these managers don't like on the trade, whether he's not working hard enough, or whether his link play is not good enough. They're short in that department, in my mind, considering Chris Martin uh, is the man they're looking to
2: for goals at the moment. Chris Martin, he, he's, he's kind of, in theory, there to be a sort of pain to kind of elbow people a little bit and make a bit of a nuisance to himself, but he was completely anonymous. And if that's what, if that's the kind of the best they have up front, then they, they need someone, something significant in January as well as Rooney, I think.
0: Uh, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. What should we be looking out for on the totally football show.com this week?
2: Uh, there is, I, I'm, I'm currently, it should be uh, up by the time this, this podcast is out working on a piece about the uh, forest midfielder, Tiago Silva, who is a, a wonderful human being and, um, about the kind of the, the need for pointless flamboyance in uh, in the championship because he uh, there were a few clips going around on, on Twitter that you may have seen certainly you'll see them if you're a Forrest fan for a marvellous little flip-flap and a, a, a one where uh, I'm not really sure what the name of the move is, where he kind of just flicked it against, flicked it from his right foot to his left foot to play what should have been a very, very simple five yard pass. There was absolutely no need for it, but it was wonderful and uh, enjoyable all the same. So there'll be a piece on, uh, on that going out and uh, various other things as well.
0: If you could take one of Thiago
2: Silva or Sabri Lamushi
0: out for cocktails and a candle at dinner, which one would you choose?
2: I think Sabri would be slightly classier. He he would know the people wherever you went. He would know the people there. He would kind of you know be able to get you a good table and um, like Goodfellas through the kitchen. Yeah, very much <laughs> so. Yeah, he, but um, so I'm seeing it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I would be uh, Loane Bracco and he would be uh, Ray Liotta. It's a beautiful image. We'll end on that. Thank yeah. you. Meanwhile, at Oakwell, Barnsley
0: two Stoke four. Bad one from Collins. Who's way out of his goal, where's that going from Klukas? Oh what an effort from Sam Klukas!
3: An incredible start for Stoke City. An absolute howler from Bradley Collins in the Barnsley goal. But take nothing away from Klukas who was inch perfect in his execution here. What a way to introduce yourself to a new manager, Klukas from the halfway line.
0: Uh, Michael O'Neill beginning his tenure as Stoke boss in triumphant fashion, courtesy of uh, a big victory. Adrian, Mm -hmm. slightly surprised that he got the job. Obviously, he was second favourite at best behind Alex Neal.
1: He wasn't one that we'd talked about, was he? Uh, Purely because uh, of his current job of Northern Ireland. So it was slightly... Left field, but it, it, it's the right fit. We were talking about the need for an experienced voice. and I know he doesn't have a lot of, or any championship experience, but he's an experienced manager um, at a good level, international level, of course. So, so no, and I think he will have a clear identity and, and, and knock this squad into shape as best he can. It's a great response from the players. Got lucky, obviously, with the, the first goal, all, always important. Uh, the goalkeeper from Barnsley giving it straight to Klukas. But Klukas, what a goal that was. What two goals? I mean, you, you're not going to score a much better brace than that. And it just begs the question, where's where's that Sam Klukas been?
0: Well, you're not just him, yeah. but, but there are plenty of members of that squad who are Premier League experienced players whose attitude in particular has been brought into question mm. in recent weeks. Great goals from Klukas, great performance, but he's got to take that on for the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, but you're likely to get a performance like that When a new manager comes in, we we know that you get a little lift from that. I was a little bit surprised uh, that he took the job. Mm -hmm. Not that he was offered it, because I think his pedigree uh, speaks for itself. What he's done for for Northern Ireland, incredible job there. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue in this vein. But let's get it right. That's against Barnsley, who have been torn apart in the last few weeks by good attacking players, and, and Stoke have that in their armory. Barnsley, it could completely Disappear now. There's mm. slight hope of remaining in the division unless they, they strengthen defensively, unless they can get a formula uh, to start keeping some clean sheets. Ten games since they've had one, just two all-season, Wigan and the opening day against Fulham. So they're going one way, I'm afraid. And let's just hold back on Michael O'Neill loving until they've maybe had four or five games.
0: Um, Joe, I'm going to ask you in a minute about the Barnsley manager odds, but but Clarkie, just mm. on Michael O'Neill still... If you're a Stokes supporter, are you concerned with the fact that he'll be taking charge of Northern Ireland should they get into a playoff for
1: the Euros? I'm not completely sold that will happen. I I just think if Northern Ireland have got anything about them, the FA, they've got long enough, haven't they, to go and find someone else in the interim period. And and I'm sure that Michael O'Neill would happily step aside for for the newbie. So I, I get why he's taking the next couple of games. But if they can't sort a new manager by the time those playoffs come around, I think that's a bit weird. Um, so, so, no, I don't think it's an issue. And uh, I'm sure he'll be super professional and, uh, and get on with the job. He's got some work to do. I like the balance of the team. Tony Poulis was talking about that on the Quest show, wasn't he? It? It, it was a sensible team selection. But again, you look at the goal, I can see that through but right through the heart of those two centre-backs. How many times have we seen centre-backs for Stoke make, you know, gaping errors or gaping holes appear? Uh, between them, So that's an avenue he's got to address. But, but his history with Northern Ireland suggests that they, he's really good at that, at making teams compact. So, so that will be task number one.
0: Uh, those odds then, Joe. Barnsley have been without a manager for a long time. My suggestion of Neil Warnock has been uh, quashed. Who's favourite? Is it still Adam Hamill? Uh,
4: Adam Murray, his favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Who's favourite? Is it still Adam Murray? It is just about, but five games in charge and not much has really changed at Oakwell. He's seven to-four favorite, uh, just in front of Jan Siever and Neil Redfern, who are both three to one. Uh, then it's a big jump to Steve Cirandoolo, uh, who's nine to- one, the rest are double figures or bigger.
0: Jan Siebert's in the ring. Oh, Can they
4: man.
5: not
0: see us play football and be yeah. Jan Siebert? Yeah, but he's coached
3: also. Borussia Dortmund's third team wonderfully well, hasn't he? <laughs> you, you got Borussia
1: Dortmund three or whatever it is on your CV. Uh, that's you. Uh, no, if you employ Jan Sievert, you deserve everything that's coming to you. Sorry. <laughs>
4: <But> what, <laughs>
1: Martin in, from Wakefield. In terms, <laughs> in terms of the other two at the top of the betting, are you, are you overly excited by them? No, either? no. It's... Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, Barnsley, got some exciting players. It, there's a lot to like about the way they got promoted last year. It seems as if they're willing to just let it all fall apart. So it's a strange one. Give it, Colin, till the end of the season.
0: Right, enjoy your weekend break.
2: Championship, we're bound for League One next. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets, or in play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30, new online customers only. Minimum £10 stake, win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets, 30 day expiry. Free bet payment method, player and country restrictions apply. This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis Adams.
0: League One, then. There are headlines. They are as follows. Southend's shambolic season continues after they lose in the Cup against Dover and then get served another winding up order. Joey Barton will face trial after his beef with Mr Stendhal last season. Uh, Isn't it just so football in 2019 that this week necessitates a section called Legal Roundup? Let's start with Joey Barton. He's going to be tried next year, probably in June. Uh, Barton, the Fleetwood Town Manager, charged with assault on Barnsley boss Daniel Stendhal after the two teams met in April this year. Barton pleaded not guilty to a charge of assault occasioning actual bodily harm at Sheffield Crown Court just after we recorded last week's show. Elsewhere in League One courtroom drama news, South End United have been issued with a winding up order by HMRC for the fourth time this year. They'll be in court in December for the second time in three months. Uh, that's when the latest petition will be heard what's going on behind the scenes at your old club, club
1: well I've lost touch a little bit so I don't have any kind of exclusives for you all I can say is that well you've just said the stat there that the fourth time in a year seems to happen all the time and I'd like to know the stats for 2018 for 2017 going back almost throughout Ron Martin's tenure to be honest it's a regular and, and I don't think any South End fans are that worried it's almost like they just leave it until the last minute to pay their tax bill and then, and then then and then they move on the overriding feeling I have is that I I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder, has has the current owner run out of money? Is he, is he got the financial clout to take the club forwards? Because they've always paid okay at, at Roots Hall in terms of the levels they've been at. Wages have been reasonably high, and and that's allowed them to compete. Right now, I don't I don't know if they've they've got the same funds that they they used to have, and and that's certainly been reflected in 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 the performance of the team so yeah maybe they need to look towards new ownership obviously the the ground issue is just is an embarrassment to Ron Martin I'm afraid it's been going on for for what seems like over a decade now it's still there's still no bricks in the ground so so maybe I, I would imagine that a lot of South End fans w- would be feeling now come on let's let's bring in some fresh investment from from somewhere Personally, as someone that wants to see them succeed, I I desperately hope that happens. If it carries on as it is, they're going to go down. And then I worry about their future beyond that as well.
0: Sam, if Sol Campbell were an emoji slash acronym, he'd be SMH. (laughs) Um, He's gone from Macclesfield, who have got no money, to Southend, who have got no money. Is is that why he got the job? Did he not? do his due diligence. What's his take on this going to be, do you think?
3: I think he wanted an opportunity at the high level to get back in and start managing again. And he probably was buoyed by that confidence of what he did last season at at Macclesfield. Uh, But I'm under no illusions that when he's witnessed firsthand what he's inherited, he's going to know straight away that they are severely lacking quality. And I think when you're in such decline and then you suffer such an embarrassing defeat as they did in the FA Cup, that's a new depth of despair, really. And I think the reaction of the fans told them a lot of of whether there was a lot of verbal, I think, from the South End supporters who have been quite patient, I think.
1: Amazed, really, that it didn't happen before.
3: No, and I think they've they've kind of gone... There's been an incident as well. I don't know if you've seen it with... um, Harry Lennon as well, out socialising after the game with some of the Dover players, I believe, which is um, obviously not gone down particularly well with the End support either. I'm there tonight uh, against AFC Wimbledon in the uh, Football League trophy. I think it's quite fitting, really, considering all we've just said, that they can't qualify in this competition. <laughs> Wimbledon can, I think, with a victory. Uh, Southend, rock bottom, two defeats from two. They're out of that competition. And I think the one glimmer of light really at the moment as they haven't put tonight aside they haven't got a game at the weekend so they can just dust themselves down and i think yeah a, a couple of weeks to prepare for um, oxford at home
1: which i think is probably nice <laughs> well it's not the fixture they want either it's not because uh, no. oxford score a lot of goals and south end concede a lot of goals so yeah i'd be i'd be there'd be a lot of work needs to go in on the training ground uh, between now and that and that game
0: Uh, As Sam says, South End not in action this weekend. Let's look ahead to some matches that are happening, though. It is a truncated programme in League One with a load of games, postponed due to international call-ups. And we want to have a look ahead to Bolton versus MK Dons. For the best insight into this game, yes, we have Joe Crilly in the studio, but almost better than that, it's MK Dons' new manager, Russell Martin. Congratulations on the new job. Uh, Was it a surprise when you were offered it?
6: Uh, Yeah, it was, to be honest as I mentioned before to other people, it was, uh, I got told after the game once the, um, once Paul Tisdale, Paul Tisdale and his staff had been, uh, been re- relieved of their duty. So yeah. And then the chairman obviously spoke to me and, and said, and offered me the chance to take it. So, um, it was a surprise, but it's an opportunity I, I couldn't turn down. It was an easy decision to say yes. And, uh, it's a challenge that I'm really, well, I'm looking forward to. I've started already and I'm enjoying and, uh, it's one I feel ready for after a long time of studying and preparing and, and planning and uh, and learning. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm extremely excited to have it. You know, I've said before, a uh, lot to Paul for bringing me to the club. He was excellent and we, we shared a great moment last year in promotion. But the chairman and the board decided it was time for a change and and uh, it had to be someone. And, and, you know, luckily for me, it was me who got offered it.
0: Have you been given a target for what you are to achieve?
6: Yeah, I think it's just to stay in the league, get us out of the position we're in. It's been a it's been a poor start to the season. Obviously, everyone's aware of that. I can't you can't hide around that. So I think it's to, in the short term is to make sure we win some football matches and get get uh, out of them uh, relegation places, and then um, to make sure we consolidate ourselves in this league after promotion last year. And then long term, obviously, we look to uh, to make sure we um, improve improve on that.
0: You said that it's it was a very easy decision for you to to become uh, to take on the job. At which point in your career did you decide that you know I could become I could become a manager? At which point did you decide to sort of take coaching as a serious uh, next career path move?
6: Um, it, for years, to be honest, probably since my mid twenties at least, maybe even earlier. So I've done my first I've done my first coaching badge at eighteen, and then. Um, I had my A licence by the time I was 30 and then I've been on the LMA Diploma in Football Management. I'm currently just on my Pro licence, um, soon to finish. So, yeah, it's been a process for me. I've been really interested in it, in leadership and culture um, and management for a long time. I've done a lot of club visits and different sports and business and on leadership and stuff like that. So, it's an area that's always interested me and I think if you ask any player, Teammate that I've played with, um, I've batted on about it for years. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's maybe come a bit earlier than expected, but as I said, it's an opportunity I feel ready for and I'm excited to take on.
0: Have one of your previous managers sort of inspired you more, or uh, perhaps a manager that you are kind of looking uh, to sort of take most of your influence from for your job now?
6: No, I think you can only be yourself. I think I've got my own ideas on the game, how it should be played, but I think. I've been really fortunate to work with some really top managers and i've um I've taken bits from everyone really there's always stuff you really like stuff you don't like so much but i've taken um I've taken bits from every manager I've played under so they they sort of you you, you take stuff that you see is that fits the way you want to do it your style your philosophy if you like um you sort of mold it into your own so of course i'd be I'd be mad not to utilize that experience and, and that expertise but um Oh, Ultimately, to be yourself, and you have to do your. That's what I'm trying to do is implement a style of play and, a, and an attitude, and a mentality that I think fits us as a group and fits what I want want to do on a pitch and want my team to reflect.
0: Russell Martin, the MK Dons manager. There, let's talk about Bolton. Then we knew they were going to be down amongst the dead men. We didn't expect the same of MK, who start the weekend in the relegation zone. But but Bolton, Joe. Successive league wins, albeit knocked out of the cup against Plymouth. How are you feeling, Wanderers?
4: Wise at the moment? I'm feeling a little optimistic, but it seems every time that Bolton turn a corner, they give us cause to be disappointed again, uh, and that's been the case. That's over football. the last Has <laughs> been the case over the last few years. I mean, they put three wins together uh, if you include the the win against Manchester City and the Leasing.com, um, and then those two league victories. Uh, so they put three wins together. Plymouth from League Two turn up to. The University of Bolton Stadium. I think we're going to get a win. We get knocked out of the FA Cup for the first time this season. Bolton are favourites to win a football match. They are six to four, and MK Dons are seven to four. So, I've got a little bit of hope that they'll get a third win. I um, quite fancy it. Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, playing okay, aren't they? Any chance at all that they can stay up? I don't think so. Fifteen points adrift. No, no, I don't think so. No, I think they'd have to. They'd have to produce almost automatic promotion form between now and the end of the season to get the, the normal points tally. The, the, the one saving grace is there are some quite bad teams towards the foot of the table that, that aren't picking up many points. So, so I can see why they've got a glimmer, but I don't think they're quite good enough. It's still a team that's learning about each other. I like... Um, is it Dennis Politic? he's quite an exciting young player. Dodu looks like he's, he's a match winner, but can be frustrating. He'll obviously be looking to keep hold of uh, Verlinden, who might have one eye on a return to, to Stoke, I well, guess. He was, yeah. he,
4: he was uh, banned by Stoke mm. uh, from playing in the FA Cup at the weekend, so that kind of suggests that he might be on his way back there in January.
0: Just briefly then, then Sam... Is this the kind of fixture that Russell Martin wants? I mean, they're not favourites with the bookies, but you would still expect them to get something from this game.
3: Yeah, probably. Uh, you'd probably look at this as a as a chance to get going. Two lowest scores in a division. It's not going to be a goal fest. Uh, I think they're on par with Shrewsbury, actually, with, with 13 MK Dons, but Bolton only scored the seven. Uh, he needs to get some of his players back from injury. Good news this week, I think Healy's back certainly out on the grass. I think he's still a, a few weeks away from a return and nombe as well. Both should be back at the start of December. Needs to restore the confidence in, in that area of the pitch, I think. But if you think of Agard with the two chaps I've just mentioned, Reeves, who's a very technically good player, he's their best player. If you can get those four players, I think, on the pitch, uh, there could be some good times you know, around the corner for MK Dons. But I just think too much, too many of the players that Paul Tisdale brought in in the summer, haven't made the the step up to, to League One. So, yeah, it's a tough job for Russell Martin, but I think this is a game
0: he'll look on favourably as an opportunity to get his first victory. OK, I want to move on to Coventry versus Rochdale. 6 v 15. Adrian, Coventry only beaten twice, but too many draws. Half of their league games this season have ended all square.
1: Yeah, too many draws. I like them, though, as a team. They play some good football. This is going to be a pass fest. Two of the, two of the teams that that knock around short passes for fun. So there'll be a lot of a lot of keep ball. They just need to find a, a prolific scorer, don't they, Coventry. Twelve different scorers. But no one's got over three. And I think that's been the tale of, of what's going on there. This weekend, Gordon's not available, BMU's suspended, so uh, all eyes on Bakioko. The the interesting aspect of, of FA Cup involvement sometimes is that it gives up managers the chance to experiment. And I think that's what Robbins did in the, in their game at Colchester. He went with something different. Went to 3-4-2-1 with Westbrook and Shipley, two really good players actually at this level, buzzing around Bakayoko and it seemed to work. So maybe, just maybe, they'll they'll stick with that for the game against Rochdale. And, and look, if, if Coventry can find the formula, I think they've certainly got the, the talented individuals to... To continue to thrive at the top of the division, so um, so no, looking forward to this game. I think it'd be a really good one to watch.
0: As for Rochdale, they've lost the last three in the league, having won the previous three. Sam, you've got an Ian Henderson stat which we're all looking forward to. It's not even that good. I went oh, right. too quickly. You always say
1: this. You always you always being up stuff. All and right, you, and stat then, man. You, No, but then you go. No, but then you always you always lose confidence. No, I
3: miss I misread it. It's from the Sky Sports <laughs> Football app. I think they've done an article with him. Uh, he scored eighty percent of his total goals in the last. Six years, so since he's been twenty-eight, which is pretty impressive. Eighty oh, percent
1: didn't need to prefix it with a five years. Negative. He's been
3: the top scorer at Rochdale, and it's just that over reliance, I think, on him, which is obviously going to mean it's going to be difficult for Rochdale to propel themselves up the table. That that said, Callum Camps has got five now, so he's doing pretty well. Played a lot of games as well for a young lad. Better defensively. I agree with Adrian. I think it's going to be a nice aesthetically pleasing football match but having that purpose with your possession is what they need to do at Rochdale and I think that's the criticism at the moment it's all a little bit backwards and all a little bit safe and I think they had a nice contrast between possession and attacking football at times under Keith Hill so the manager surprisingly considering how well they've done at times and some of the beautiful goals they've scored coming in for a little bit mm. of criticism so should be a good game I've been at Coventry this year at Birmingham sorry really like them and that changing system surprised me but I think because they brought in McFadgen mm. from Burton in the summer I think Mark Robbins feels that he has to get him in the team and that's why he's been flanked by the two
0: other centre-halves at the moment OK, if you're listening, Brian, Barry, Murphy, try and stop the over-reliance on Henderson and just set up camps. Odds-wise, Joe, Coventry versus Rochdale. Are you in the home win or are Cov going to draw again?
4: No, the home win is odds on um, quite considerably at three to five, uh, which is... A price that I don't particularly like. Why? It's, it just looks you're, funny. Your lip
0: curled just as you it read just, that. Then. It just looks it funny. It's just, you. yeah, it's,
4: it's not one of your traditional betting prices, is it? It's not one of your six to fours or your. your Everyone loves two. a good six to four. Or yeah. your, your yeah. one to
0: twos. Not it? not so much four to six, but six to four. <laughs> um, Rochdale, big price to win away from home at four to one and the draw three to one. Okay, League One. Sorry not everyone's coming to the party this weekend. You'll still have fun, I'm sure. League Two is our final port of call. To Tier 4, where there are Tiers 4 Macclesfield supporters as their club sinks deeper into crisis and the EFL begins its formal investigation into the club. Meanwhile, Morecambe have got the new man and Crews' Cup game at Accrington finishes with just one assistant referee after two officials get injured. And I want to quickly mention that bizarre Cup tie. Uh, referee Neil Hare limped off in the 22nd minute and was replaced by fourth official Alan Clayton, who then also got injured. Halftime lasted over an hour as a replacement was sought. Assistant ref Danny Grattan took charge of the second half with crew boss Dave Bartel winning a coin toss to decide Which side of the pitch should have the one remaining lino? This after Accrington refused to let a qualified member of the crowd run the line. I'm going to ask if either of you two have been involved in anything like this, but you don't play Sunday League, so I'm guessing the answer is probably not. I've no idea what you're talking about, to be honest. I
1: lost that. (laughs) (laughs) It's Mickey Mouse, isn't it? Goodness. I mean, surely having... If someone is fully qualified in the in the crowd, and they're willing to do it. I
0: think Accrington felt it might be a biased crew supporter. <laughs> yeah, was but the
1: one they were offered. Well, you've got to trust, trust that they yeah. You know, speaking from personal experience, I went the other way when I used to run the line occasionally for my mum uh, for my son's um, junior team. I I would err on the side of caution if it was 50-50. I I definitely wouldn't give the decision to to my son's team because I didn't want to be seen to be biased. That that might have happened. It's got to be better than having none, surely.
0: Sam, picture the scene. It's Roots Hall. A few hours from now, your hangover has subsided. The linesman goes down and you're asked to run the line for the final 20 minutes. Would you doubt, I'd be absolutely terrified of something like that, you know, plucked from the crowd just to get pelters from people. Yeah, I've I've
3: not enjoyed it in the past Sunday league. Difficult job when you're trying to focus on when the ball's being played and taking your line off the last defender. It's not a job I'd, like to do too often. I get a bit nervous when I'm watching like nephew or watching
1: mates and they say, oh, Sam, you might have to run the line set. Yeah, saying, oh, please me not. too.
3: I'll go for a bacon roll, man.
1: <laughs> I've I've, been, I've had the abuse from, from parents behind me, sarcastic comments and all sorts. It's horrendous. Really, just why would anyone want to do it? <laughs> well, nobody did.
0: Um, some breaking news in League Two. It's breaking for us. You already know about it, listener, because you're hearing this a few hours later. Uh, Carlisle have sacked Stephen Presley, The board of Carlisle United Football Club have decided to make a change and Stephen Presley will leave the club with immediate effect. Four defeats in his last six league games, 19th in League Two, lost to Morecambe in the EFL Trophy. 34.15% win rate. It just never really happened for him. No, not really. I'm a bit surprised
3: the timing, considering they won handsomely uh, on national TV on Friday night. I did notice actually, more looking at the the Morecambe side of things, that they beat them quite comprehensively last night in the Football League trophy. And it looks like Carlisle played quite a week inside. Morecambe, on the other hand, considering it was Derek Adams' uh, second game at the helm, went quite strong. So I'd be surprised if that's the the, the reasoning. And the, the recent results haven't been too bad. But... There has been murmurings throughout this season about whether Stephen Presley was the right man. And, and as we've said a few times, Adrian, it's a, it's a difficult job because it's hard to attract those players. You have to rely. I suppose he was the perfect person in the sense that he could recruit from north of the border as well as trying to get those lads from the northwest. So it'd be ever so
1: interesting where they go from here, John Sheridan. Yeah, it's, it's, got, <laughs> <laughs> it's got so much potential, Carlisle, that is in terms of the size of the club. But but yeah, the, the, the crowds aren't especially big, are they? They've got a lot, a lot of promising young wingers and attacking midfielders. There's a lot to like about about Carlisle, but but when you look at the table, only five points off the off of the relegation zone, and you know, be unthinkable for them to to drop out of the EFL again. So um, so obviously they just pressed the panic button. But I'm with Sam. Pretty impressive. I didn't watch the game, but I saw the goals. Dulwich Hamlet away from home to beat them four-one to then get sacked later the same week, seems seems odd to me. But, but when you look at the form tables over the last six games, over the last eight games, they're in the bottom two or three, Carlisle, and, and that's the reason he's gone.
0: Speaking of managers, Morecambe have got themselves a new one. Sammy, you alluded to it there. They're at Crawley this weekend. Derek Adams looks like a, a pretty shrewd appointment to me. Yeah, that's probably
3: the appointment this week that kind of made me stand up. And go, ooh, mm. done, done well to, to get him. Adrian spoke about then necessity maybe to get someone a bit more experienced in from Fresh out, eyes, yeah, yeah from outside the club so they, they've done that um again he can maybe lean on his expertise in scotland to uh, to recruit if they're allowed to bring some players in in time and i thought it was just quite interesting what he did last night he stuck with the same team that were beaten handsomely at, at blackpool in the FA Cup and he felt it would have had a detrimental effect on the dressing room if he started making a wholesale changes or the lads would have been, oh, the manager doesn't like me. That's me on the fringes straight away. So went with the same team, changed the shape at halftime last night and they scored three second half goals to, to, to beat Carlisle in that competition. So, uh, so far so good. And, you know, I think he could prove to be
1: an excellent choice. He's only 44, um, he's which, which, he which means it. he's younger than me. Yeah, but am I surprised he took it? No, because managers need to need to stay busy. They need to be active. Otherwise, you you're out of the game too long. You, you're not in the sniff for these jobs. So, so now he he's done the soul Campbell in in a way. He's taken the job to to get himself noticed. So look, who knows? He might be there for donkey's years like Jim Bentley. But he's only forty four. Won a couple of titles with Ross County and a promotion with Plymouth. I mean, he's he's vastly experienced for someone. So young, effectively. Um, But I just think for him, he's got to change his mindset a little bit or maybe in the long term, his aim will be to change Morecambe's mindset because he's managed teams that have been pushing and pushing. I looked at his career win ratio, right? 42.5%. That's good. That's really good over a long period of time. Morecambe's under Bentley, who by and large done brilliantly with them, 28.3%. So... You know, he's not gonna to have to win as many games, but it's gonna be harder for him to deal with that lower expectancy, I would imagine. So he's got to get his head around it. Maybe over time he 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 can get them challenging at the top, but it's gonna be one heck of a job there because they're not rich, are they? Um, but but he does inherit a team in okay shape. They've had some alright results lately. But you know, beat Colchester Late and Orient one nil. So so they're not they're not in terrible form.
0: Long away trip for them this weekend going down to Crawley who Wallops Scunny in the cup but have been pretty underwhelming in the league whether anyone wants since the middle of September now last on our agenda this week is the game at Moss Rose well it's not really the game that we're going to be focusing on unfortunately Macclesfield Town hopefully will be taking on Mansfield Town, but Macclesfield have been making the wrong kind of headlines this week. They fielded a team of kids and loneys in their 4 0 humbling by a Kingstonian in the FA Cup. That after their players had gone on strike over unpaid wages. Joining us now is Mike Monet from BBC Radio Manchester. Mike, it's a a rapidly evolving situation at Macclesfield Town. What's the latest as we speak on Wednesday morning?
5: Well, obviously, we're still on the lines of the EFL statement that came out on uh, on Tuesday afternoon that the club have got till uh, 4pm on Wednesday to at least perhaps answer some questions that the EFL have in regard to their finances. We know throughout 2019, Macclesfield have struggled to pay wages on time. As I always say in these situations, through accounts I've heard of previous players at the club and whatnot, these players aren't on mega bucks. They are quite simply on, you know, on on low wages, normal living wages. Some of them perhaps, and uh, they 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 struggle to get by. And going two weeks without a salary really really does impact them.
0: We had this fairly farcical situation in the Cup at, at the weekend where they, they played a side made up of, of lone players and youth players because the, the first-team squad were on strike. We hear this week that those first-teamers have been advised not to play or train because they weren't insured to do so. Um, I'm guessing tonight's game won't be affected too much by that given it's the EFL Trophy and that's not really a, a tournament where first-team players feature too frequently anyway. That That game is definitely going ahead, right?
5: Yeah, that game's going ahead. And as far as we understand it, uh, BBC Radio Manchester, it, it, the, the health insurance uh, has now been paid. So uh, the first team players went back to training yesterday um, and, and are expected, or some of them at least, to get some minutes in their legs in the EFL trophy game away at Shrewsbury tonight. Uh, the weekend game at Hams and Mansfield still leaves a little bit of uncertainty, but with the players back in training at least, would probably be very surprised if they didn't.
1: It's such a shame, isn't it? Really, because the team itself is is overperforming. I think they're having a terrific campaign given the given the problems off the field. Um, in terms of uh, of this issue, they're not the first club, Macclesfield, to to be late with wages. Um, we've seen in the past many clubs do this and, and get themselves transfer embargoes and come out of it. Of course, Barry didn't. Where are Macclesfield in in line? With with those kind of clubs, is there a fear they could become another Berry, or is there, or or, or is there, are they going to be absolutely fine? It's just a, a cash flow issue.
5: Yeah, certainly a concern amongst fans that they could be the 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 next Berry, if you will. The uh, as far as I'm aware, and you know, I'm I'm happy to be corrected by anybody. The debts are nowhere near as bad as Berry's. Um, the owner has previously in, in financial accounts um, written off debt to to help keep the club. Uh, stable. Um, there are buyers interested. How serious they are, we we are unsure. It's difficult to say they're going to become another Barry. I would not want to put that tagline on on Macclesfield Town. I I, I hope and I don't think that will be the case. But clearly, clearly, whatever's going on in 2019, there is an issue. I can't play players. HMRC winding up orders. You know, th- th- there is an issue, uh, and if it needs the EFL and PFA to step in to, to assist with that or encourage things or Assist with dialogue or whatever it is, then then they need to they need to do that to prevent uh, any going any further down the the berry road, I guess.
3: Mike, I've I've seen the report of Joe a uh, local businessman, potentially interested in in taking over. What's your understanding of the current owner's position? Would he be open to selling the club?
5: I think he he is to the extent where he he has. Uh, or he's known that there have been talks going on. Joe Seeley himself um, putting an offer uh, Friday night. The latest I think we heard from him on Saturday was that there was no response to that yet. But um, we we await to, to hear any outcome of that. Um, there are, there, I mean, there were rumours of uh, Glenn Tamplin, the former Billericay town owner coming in, but he's now bought another club and he's going to manage Romford FC, I think is. It's his latest thing. So there have been buyers around. There are interests. Look, it's a football league club and there is always interest when when it is that. It's a bit like if a manager loses his job and the club's bottom of the football league, look, it's a football league job. It's a chance to make a stance. What um, I, I guess what the owner's waiting for is, is the right offer and the right person to come in and take the club. As you say, they are overperforming. They are one of the lowest budgets in the league. Even when they're in the National League under John Askey and got promoted, they were operating on one of the lowest budgets in the National League and still achieved it so they they are an ambitious club in terms of they like punching above their weight so I think the owner has to recognize that Joe Seeley himself said look we're never going to be in the Premier League but we we can try and stable this club in the Football League and that's I think you know what that's all the fans want really is is regular Football League football maybe the odd shout at the playoffs here and there but you know nothing nothing that could 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 ruin the club
0: Mike, thanks so much for your time today. We hope that next time we speak to you, it'll be about a bit more of a positive story.
5: (laughs) Yeah, hopefully so. I'm sick of these financial dealings. Can
0: we just talk football for once? (laughs) (laughs) That's the hope. Mike Minet from BBC Radio Manchester there. Uh, Joe, let's get some odds on League Two stuff. How about that game between Crawley and Morecambe? What would you give me? on an away win for Derek Adams and his new men
4: I'm quite surprised they're quite a big price and Crawley are odds on uh, to win this one uh Morecambe are 16 to 5 Crawley 5 to 6 in the draw 13 to 5 but I think it's well worth a, a pound to back Morecambe this weekend
0: and we've been talking about Carlisle struggling near the bottom of the table where Morecambe currently reside who are the who are the favorites to go down as you've got it just now
4: well, Morecambe are the favourites, but actually the appointment of Derek Adams has seen their price drift a little bit. Uh, they were even money, they're now 11-8, to 8. Uh, Stevenage 9-2, and it looks like a, a two-horse race between those two because the, the next team in the betting is Oldham at
0: 7-1. Before we go, a brief nod to the EFL trophy where on Tuesday night we saw, well no one saw, but you get the point, uh, Newport win 7-4 at Cheltenham. Uh, chaps, what are the biggest slash most random scorelines you've ever been a part of, Sam? I can't honestly think of one
3: in the EFL, so I'm going to have to go north of the border. And it was against Derek Adams's Ross County, and it was 5-4 to St Mirren, uh, my team. And I think we were 3-0 up, and we were 4-3 down. And then we ended up scoring two late goals to win 5-4. And I had no idea, probably, who'd won come full-time. But Stephen Thompson... Scored a wonderful overhead kick to, to win us all three points. Did you score? I came off the bench and got ahead. I think... I can't remember what the score was when I came on, but me and Kenny McLean, now of Norwich, came on as well at half time and we scored two
1: goals to get us kind of in front, and then we capitulated. Lucky? <laughs> <Clarkie? laughs> yeah, it's always great fun to be involved in these games. Yeah, 1997-98 was the season to watch Southend. We, we scored a lot, and we conceded even more. York 4 four all at home at Roots Hall, South End four York four I bring that up only because I scored two and got two assists one of my best games I think for, for Southend the other one was uh, against Bournemouth the same season 5-3 to us against Bournemouth and uh, yeah I scored and, and got a couple assists in that one so they're the kind of memorable games that uh, so I'm glad you brought up.
0: entirely predictable that you would both pick games in which you scored <laughs> slash performed well um, <laughs> my one by the way I was at the city ground for Nottingham Forest 1 Manchester United 8 it was not much fun Joe can you top that <laughs> I saw Chester lose 7-1 at home to
4: Brighton in what's now League 2 a few years ago well more than a few years ago
0: right that's just about it for this week Caroline back in the big chair next week do join her and the chaps then I'm back in a fortnight to Rafa now
2: You've been listening to The Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter, and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.